Welcome to This Osteopathic Life. This is Dr. Amelia Beakey. I'm honored to share with you the philosophy that has underscored my personal and professional life and explore how osteopathy truly is for the health of all things. I see these principles in action every day in my varied roles as physician, parent, athlete, writer, musician, coach, and entrepreneur, and hope they will light the way for the path to your best health. Please note that while I am a physician, this podcast is intended to share general information and encourage discussion about medicine, health, and related subjects. The content provided in this podcast and in any linked materials is not intended and should not be construed as medical advice. Thank you for joining me for episode 36 of season one of this osteopathic life. I come to you today in Ashland, Oregon, where I have just returned from the third in-person meetup of the Osteopathic Health Policy Fellowship class of 2020. And we were in Washington, D.C. this past week, learning more about the federal government and the roles of physicians in healthcare determination and policy formation and execution. And it was a most interesting, better part of a week. And I'll talk more about that perhaps in a future episode. And I've blogged about it on the website, thisosteopathiclife.com. So please do visit there and read as you might like. Today, I'd like to talk with you about commitment and follow-through. And this comes somewhat on the other side of that blog and the book from This Osteopathic Life and some things that are outstanding for me and also highlighting some of the successes in where commitment and follow-through have been effective and looking at perhaps why that is and how we can explore our tendencies and opportunities to improve upon our behavior and increase the likelihood of our follow-through on commitments that we have made. I've explored the Osteopathic Health Policy Fellowship for a number of years, and this year, for a number of reasons, it fell into place. And so I began in August the year-long commitment with 10 in-person meetups and various assignments in between. And certainly I'm not complete with that yet, but over these first three to four months, I've been engaged in the actions necessary to follow through on my commitment to be an osteopathic health policy fellow. And some of that comes from having signed up, you know, so there are kind of a contract. There's a contract in place to highlight the commitment. I'm part of a group. So there are 10 of us on the course and we have two directors and we all continue to work together and meet up periodically. So there's that accountability, that external accountability that keeps me present. There's the interest in it. And I'm not entirely sure, you know, where I'll go with the results of the fellowship, but I know that learning more about the possibility and the call to action for physicians, the opportunities, as well as the need for physicians in various roles. And that was highlighted in different ways for me during the sessions. So that interest keeps me coming back. Some challenges that have arisen 
began with the idea that I would create a daily blog, kind of a day in the life of an osteopathic health policy fellow. And I offered that up voluntarily to the course directors and as something that could potentially be not necessarily sponsored by, but um, I think seeking that external support and accountability from the course. And they advised that it would just be my own endeavor should I choose to do that. And it hasn't been consistent. You know, I was able to write it in the beginning and then days would lapse and I'd try to catch up and I wouldn't be able to make up enough blogs. And then I decided just to write it on the day that it was, whenever that day occurred. And then this past session, uh, I tried to reamplify my dedication to writing that blog and examined some of the reasons why perhaps it wasn't working. And the first, I think, was not being specific enough. So in deciding to write The Day in the Life of the Osteopathic Health Policy Fellow, I was seeking to provide some insight for folks who might be interested in the program um, for potential recruitment or greater understanding. And I think I wasn't writing it so plainly. You know, that might more look like hour by hour. I woke up, we did this, these were the meetings, and this was the expectation, we'll meet up this next time. And that's not really how I necessarily write. You know, I tend to write in a comparative fashion and drawing connections and looking at insights that can be derived from the day. And so those two ideas weren't congruent necessarily, and they weren't clear. You know, what was the expectation of what I was writing? Was I going to write how I often wrote in the style that was familiar to me? Or was I going to simply provide, you know, a play-by-play of what was going on in the latter of those two would probably be simpler, easier, but it wasn't necessarily authentic to my style, my voice, my story. So that lack of clarity and specificity was certainly a hurdle. Being only accountable to myself, and I did put it in writing in the very first blog I put that I was intending to write this daily entry. And so there was some element of external awareness, but no one was really holding me to that deadline. And so it became very easy for that to be the thing that was left out. You know, there were assignments that were due, so someone was knowing and expecting me to follow through on that, and those were more of a guarantee. But when it was just me in this voluntary, unclear concept, I wasn't as consistent with it. And that can be okay. You know, sometimes we have to prioritize and find what we're able to do in the finite hours of the day. But if I look back on it, there was certainly enough time. You know, there I'm busy. I do a lot of things, but I can see where there was time spent in other ways that could have been redirected and more effective. And not keeping that accountability to myself, you know, is a matter of decreased integrity and self-confidence and self-trust. And so recognizing that I needed to address that more completely I examined the places in my life where I was able to be reliably consistent regardless of any external support or accountability. And the one place that came up most clearly to me, especially as on arriving in Washington, D.C., the first thing I did and the first thing I do in most cities when I arrive was go for a run. And some of that is to see the city, to get out, to get some fresh air after sitting on a plane after many hours, But largely, it's because 
exercise, working out, has been a non-negotiable, critical part of my life for as long as I can remember. And I recently found some journals from high school. And while I recall consistently playing sports and you know periodically going to the YMCA growing up and during my high school years, I was surprised to find in these entries that I was going to aerobic classes before school and my practices after and doing multiple workouts, which I can totally believe and sounds familiar. I didn't 100% recollect on my own. But that commitment, that need, that drive has been there. And it is rare that I will miss a workout. And it's often a problem for me to take a rest day. This past Thursday, I had to coach myself through taking a rest day. So certainly that can err on the side of excess. But for the most part, that kind of promise to self, contract with self, and follow through have always been there for exercise. So I looked at how I could apply the instincts and those behaviors to the writing. And so I thought, what if I treated writing this blog like a workout? You know, so if I made it this non-negotiable portion of my day and looked at perhaps what are the things that I gain or that keep me coming back to the workout that I could perhaps cross-pollinate into this writing of the daily entry. And some, I think, you know, is just the idea of practice. You know, so people often ask me if I'm training for a particular event. And historically, the answer might have been perhaps, you know, I raced triathlons for a number of years. um, But I was never terrifically focused on the race. I wanted to race and to race well and to have a good result when I got there. But I would train regardless, you know, so that deadline of an event wasn't always necessarily key, but at the same time, I knew that if I showed up at a start line, I would want to be the first or one of the first people to the finish line. And so keeping that constant level of ability and preparation in place so that if called upon, I could participate in a 5k or a half marathon or an Olympic triathlon and do reasonably well. So that constant state of readiness was a motivating factor. And like anything, writing gets better when you write more and get feedback and make uh, changes and refinement to your style and practice. And so I consider that. And at the start of this podcast, nearly a year ago, we're coming up towards that year mark, I'd also put out the call to action for myself to complete a book of this osteopathic life in a year, you know, which would be February 1st um, of 2020. And thinking of the blog as that preparation, either in content or at least in kind of working the muscle of writing toward that was a helpful motivator as well. Certainly lack of external accountability was challenging for me in the writing of the blog, but I never needed that for exercise or the workouts. That was inherent. That was for me. No one ever needed to tell me to go to the gym or to go for a run. Most of the time people needed to tell me to come back from those things. And so seeking, you know, why I was so able to follow through on that without anyone holding me accountable. 
it again, I think for the feeling and the rejuvenation and the respite that came for me with exercise was part of that. So seeing how that could be rolled into writing, perhaps looking at it as a reflective and a therapeutic and you know a journaling process of sorts that could provide internal fulfillment and dividends. It didn't require me to say, hey, can you make sure I write this you know, every day by five o'clock? And thus far, by shifting my mindset around it, it's been relatively effective. The one day I wasn't able to write, it was a travel day. And I did get a workout in that day, so I can't say that there wasn't time for it. But there was some processing involved. And so I'm going to stick to that plan and see how it goes and try to apply some of those principles to writing that come naturally inherently to me from exercise. And I would pose to you to examine for those areas in your life. Is there something that you have wanted to do that you've said you're going to do but that hasn't quite come to fruition, you haven't really intentionally or regularly focused on or followed through with, that you could look at something else in your life where you are consistently present. You know you'll show up. You know you'll get it done no matter what, no matter who's involved or who knows that you're supposed to be doing it. And what can you cross over between the two and carry your success from one over into the other that needs a bit more support? And so as I thought about this further and as I returned home and was talking with my oldest son who's a seventh grader about some projects and homework and recognizing in him some tendencies of procrastination and lack of follow-through and similarly apples and trees here you know if it was playing sports you know he was all over it no matter what no excuses no problem but not necessarily the same to homework. And, you know, I start to take blame or credit for this on his behalf that I didn't always have that drive to sit down and do the homework. I loved learning. I loved school. I loved doing the work in school. Homework after school, never my favorite. And I had friends who were so much more disciplined about it. And so I started to investigate as I have with the topics of all of these podcasts. And one interesting article that came up uh, by the author, find the title here again, from Atomic Habits, James Clear, was called The Problem of Acrasia, A-K-R-A-S-I-A. And I'll put a link to the article in his book, which I haven't read in totality, but I think I likely would at this point after enjoying the article. And he's referencing the behavior of author Victor Hugo, who wrote The Hunchback of Notre Dame only after a fair amount of procrastination and forcing himself to do so. And acrasia is the state of acting against your better judgment. And in modern times, it's been translated to equal procrastination or a lack of self-control. And it's thought to be that which stops us from doing what we set out to do or preventing our follow through. And you know, looking at some ways to overcome that, you know, to see what gets in our ways and how to remove those barriers. And if we're thinking about osteopathic principles, you know, removing the obstructions to health, and if we think of health as the doing or the follow through, the health of our project, you know, is 
nurturing it and getting it done. You know, think of the dis-ease or destruction of our project is if it falters, if we don't follow through, we don't nurture it, it dies. You know, that's kind of the comparison we'll draw here. And some of the things that came up in this article were interesting. So one was the ability to delay gratification as a major predictor in the success in life. And the marshmallow experiment is referenced and comes up a lot where they have two groups of children and they put them in a room and they say you can have you know, one marshmallow now or two marshmallows if you wait. And looking at long-term results, see greater success and happiness and abilities in the children who are able to wait for that second marshmallow. But they also look at the why behind it and find that having reliable results, having a background of predictability in your life made it easier to implement and activate that ability for delayed gratification to know that someone actually would show up with the second marshmallow, um, made it possible to wait more than others. So thinking about our ability to wait for the longer term result and looking at my two habits, um, exercise, you know, there's some long-term result you have to wait for. You don't necessarily get a PR after one workout, but you also get the endorphins and, you know, you can get the sense of accomplishment right then, you know, from that brief workout or that you had that goal, right? I'm going to run a 5k for this workout and you complete it right then. You've made it to that finish line right then in the writing can have some element of that. I'm going to write this blog. I'm going to write 500 words. I'm going to write 2,000 words for the book today. You can make it to that finish line, but seeing the end result isn't always as immediate, you know, and especially with writing the content for the book. I'm not putting it out every day. I'm not getting feedback on it. You write and write and write and write and write just for yourself until it's ready to be comprised and compiled and presented to the public. So some options to overcome this acrasia is to design your future actions. And in doing that, finding ways that you don't have to rely on your willpower. And this one is key for me. So I am great at following through if there is a hard and fast rule. For example, most Januarys, my family, and I follow a Whole30, which is kind of a dietary cleansing plan where you eliminate sugar, grain, dairy, alcohol, and legumes for a period of 30 days and then reintroduce them, watching for signs of response and see how it influences your health in various ways. And during that month, I would say super easy to just avoid them because it's a hard and fast rule. It's not a judgment call. Am I going to have this today? It's like, no, for these next 30 days, I'm not having it. It's just not even an option. So you don't have to go there. Similarly, we historically did a no buy year and we just didn't buy anything, you know, outside of food necessities and maybe a few staples that came up for kids who outgrew their clothes or whatnot. We just didn't. And for someone who has been a lifelong shopper, probably in a therapeutic fashion, it seemed like it would be challenging. But again, the decision making was taken out of it. So it was just a commitment was created for me and I just had to step into it. And it made the conversations with our kids much easier. There was no, you know, when you walk into a store, can I have this, can I have this, can I have this? It was like, no, everyone understood that it just wasn't an option, wasn't on the table. And it wasn't perfect, but it was so much easier. 
So I definitely need these kind of hard and fast rules and putting them in place to make it, you know, kind of blinders on and stay toward the goal. The next is to look at the challenge of getting started. And similarly, you know, being in the workout once you're doing it isn't so hard. But that time before when you're looking at all the things you have to do or you're thinking about the pace you want to hold and, oh, do I want to do that? And I've been there. So even in my love for exercise, there have been days when I get fully dressed, get ready to go for a run, but it's kind of crummy outside. It's cold and wet and it's getting dark. And you're just not sure if you want to go. But as soon as you're out 10 steps in, it's like, fine, I'm in it. I'm good. I'm going to finish this run. So thinking about what's stopping you from starting, because once you're rolling, it's a lot easier to continue, but it's challenging to take that first step and what's getting in your way again. What are the obstructions there that you can line up, you know, improve the alignment and get into that flow state a bit easier. Some of it is, you know, minimizing the choices you have to make. Again, taking some of those decisions out of the process and just setting up some framework for it. So this is where structure and function come into play, right? If we structure our habits so that the function just naturally follows suit and it's less of a decision-making and more of a framed practice, we're much more likely to carry on and follow through on those intentions. And the next is an intention, setting a very focused way you're going to follow through. And that might be writing the date and time. You know, I did say every day for the blog initially, but perhaps being very specific about it. I'm going to write 500 words by this time each day and publish it no matter what. You know, I'm not going to second guess or over edit, just put it out there, 500 words by 9 p.m., press submit, and that's that. And maybe giving some leeway. You know, if I say every day in recognizing, is that a practical option? You know, and then once I missed a day, and then you feel like you failed and you get behind. So rather perhaps making some space, giving yourself some grace and saying, five out of seven days, I'm going to publish this. So I might want to front load it. You know, I'll do that with certain exercise challenges. I'm doing a 200,000 meter rowing challenge between Thanksgiving and Christmas and recognizing the days I'm in the gym are the days I'm most likely to complete this. So I'm going to add more meters in the beginning so I'm not scrambling at the end. So it might be that way, you know, on the days I have the most likelihood to complete the blog, I'll do so. I might do all five days in a row and then have two days available where I can continue or I'm free to know that I've accomplished the task in the way that I've set forth. So the antonym coined by Aristotle for the word and the idea of acrasia is encrasia, E-N-K-R-A-T-E-I-A, meaning to be in power over oneself. And this is what I'm seeking to improve. And when I work with my patients on kind of mastery of health, this is what I try to encourage them toward as well, that they are in control of their experience of life and how to harness that and how to recognize it and how to own it, how to step into that power, right? Two episodes ago, we talked about taking back our power 
and beginning with ourselves and recognizing that no one except for me is not writing those blogs. No one else is responsible for them being done or not being done. And I have the choice to follow through or to not and to recognize when I need some more support, when I need some more clear structure to optimize my function, to remove obstacles so the health of my writing practice is able to move through more fully. So I want to encourage you to look at those areas in your life where you're most successful, where you're most reliable, where you're most consistent, and honor those victories. This is one thing I'm not very good at. And as I looked closer at my oldest son's homework website, to be honest, I you know, believe in personal accountability and that his homework is his work, and I'm happy to support him, but I don't necessarily take the initiative to lead. You know, I'll ask him what work he has and if he needs any help. But there is a homework website that the parents can look at. And so when I did, when I was trying to get a grasp of what his homework content was and how frequently it's happening and, you know, is the deadline accessible and appropriate and does he have the tools he needs to be successful, there's a lot of homework on there that didn't come home. And so I'm acknowledging that he's successful at getting much of this done during the school day in certain parts that take him longer will come home. And so taking a moment to credit him for that, you know, to say, well done on these pieces. And, you know, maybe why is that better for you? Are you more interested in those topics? Are they easier for you? Do you need more support for these pieces that keep coming home? You know, what can we apply from that which you get done more naturally and with greater ease to these parts that are more challenging, or perhaps they just take more time. And we just have to put the structure in place, you know, carve out that time, hold those boundaries for your function of following through to work. So let's all make, you know, an agreement with one another to be more crediting, uh, gracious with that which is working well, and to do some analysis of it to say, why is it working well? And what can we harness from that into the more challenging areas of our life and see what success we can have? I'm also going to acknowledge for myself that I, again, have been relatively consistent with this podcast. It's been pretty much weekly. There's been a few every other weeks that have happened for various reasons. And some of that too, perhaps the day I record the podcast isn't a day that I'm going to write because it's the same type of creative energy in recognizing where there might be a finite or a limited pool from which to draw for that aspect and being gracious with myself during that time and saying, you know, I needed the rest day here because that energy went into this. And similarly, last Thursday, I needed the rest day for recovery, you know, for rejuvenation of my energy stores and the rehabilitation of my muscles. And also because I was going to spend that energy spending time with my family. And that was worthwhile in that moment. And that was a trade-off well worth making. So let's think about our commitments. You know, are they appropriate? Are they manageable? You know, have we agreed to something that we can truly follow through on? And if the answer is yes, but we're still not following through in a way or to the degree that we had hoped or we intended or we voiced initially, why is that? And what characteristics and habits can we draw upon in our lives from the areas that are more successful for us and apply to those new actions and behaviors? So I feel encouraged 
overall to acknowledge Ecrasia and to embrace Encrasia and to take back my power over myself, to recognize where I'm good at that, where I've been successful in that way, and to know that it is able to be done. And there are some concrete steps I can take to make that happen. And the last piece I'll share with you is the completion of the 15 days Ziva meditation course. And I was halfway through it last podcast and I shared the link with you. And at this point, I would recommend it. It's been effective for that consistency factor. And again, reading the book, not as much for me. Taking the online course, number one, there's a monetary investment involved and I have no vested interest in the company. But, you know, following through on that for that reason. And also because every day, you know, you would go and there would be a new course for you and it would give you very specific directions. And admittedly, there's still some joy and satisfaction in ticking the box at the end of the day. And only in ticking the box would you get the next day's course. And so there's some element of external accountability. And then the feedback from it. Now, I don't know what the big effects of implementing this twice daily meditation practice are, but I certainly feel this ownership of maintaining the accountability to myself that I've carved out the time for it twice a day, every day, and it has fit, you know, it fit during my uh, fellowship meetup. You know, I found the time, even though it seemed like, wow, this agenda is so packed and when's it going to make sense? But you know, there were I got up a little bit earlier and there was 20 minutes in the middle of the day and I just held the boundary for it. I created that structure to optimize the function that I sought. And knowing that I've upheld this commitment to myself makes me want to continue to do so. And it coincided with the final page of my gratitude journal that I began at the same time as this podcast, February 1st, 2019. And it ended on day five of the meditation learning on December 5th. It was interesting how it picked up. You know, I'd done that every day consistently. And on day five, when my last page of the journal was done is when I began getting into the second daily meditations, which created space for a mental gratitude practice. So I'm not writing it down anymore, but I'm offering it up in the same way. And it felt like a very natural segue and an opportunity to not be limited by the number of pages in the book, but to be open to expressing gratitude for as many days as I'm alive and available to do so. So I will, again, operate on giving myself credit for that which I've done and stand behind continuing to do so, and I'll report back to you periodically on my success in that and would ask you to share your victories, and your challenges, and see if we can support one another on that journey. That's a wrap for today, talking about commitment and follow-through, looking at removing those obstructions to the health of the practices you seek in your life, to optimizing structure for best function, and celebrating your successes and seeing how you can harness that positive energy into some things that present as more challenging for you. Thank you for your time, for listening, for joining me this week and others. Please, if you have a moment, like, rate, and review this podcast. And join me next time as we look closer at the Osteopathic Health Policy Fellowship and opportunities to serve for the best health of all things. 
This is Dr. Millie Beakey with This Osteopathic Life. Thank you for listening.